an pechu ashte matakayape, chante suta Francis Betlian imachiapi, mao glala lakota ihuktunwan nakota, mi chante washteye napechu ziyape. Good day, my relatives. I am Chante Suta Francis Betlian. I am Oglala Lakota Ihuntunwan Nakota. I extend to you a warm handshake from my good heart. I welcome you, my relatives, to the Moccasin Telegraph podcast. Welcome, my relatives. In this episode of the Moccasin Telegraph podcast, Rachel Bakar interviews me for her online event, Infinite Possibilities, Families, Friendship, and Community Conference. You can go to her website, greenablevillage.com, to register for free and to listen to a short video that she'll explain more about what the event is about and who is involved and how you can get involved in what work she is doing. Pilamie for asking us to be part of this, Rachel. Also, please visit our website, themoccasintelegraphpodcast.com, where you'll find information to support our work, the podcast, get involved with volunteer opportunities and other things, and to contact us. Pilamie for listening. We really appreciate it. Good day and aloha. Welcome to Infinite Possibilities. Autism, Families, Friendship, and Community Conference. It takes a village to raise a star. Today, I'm very honored and happy to welcome caretaker of Buffalo Star People, Indigenous Food Ecosystem, educator of Indigenous history, biological, and ecological knowledge, co-creator of Buffalo Star People Healing Circles, Transformational Education and Healing, for adult survivors of childhood traumas and abuses, creator and host of the Moccasin Telegraph podcast. And I'm very honored that I was able to be a part of his talking circles and Native American gardens at the U of M and just the beautiful empowering community that he created. My guest is Chante Suta Francis Beth Leon. Welcome, Francis, and thank you, Miigwech, so much for being here today. Rachel. It's good to be here. It is great to have you here. And I do miss the gardens and the community that you created. So thank you, Miigwech, again, from the bottom of my heart. It was an absolutely beautiful experience, and I know that everyone that was there was deeply touched, and I think we all miss being there. And uh, Sorry, go ahead. I appreciate that. I, I have to say it's what the garden created more than what I created. I, I'm glad to be part of miss that, too. Yeah. The garden was wonderful and just a, a great environment, a healing environment to be there. I appreciate your generosity in contributing to the education of all of our relatives. And I would like to acknowledge you for all you've done to help me in a positive way 
through the circle and the gardens and the community that you created. And once again, I miss all of it. And I know everyone who was there was deeply touched by it. So um, I'd like to start off by just some kind of basic questions. Um, can you express your feelings and maybe some education on the term Native American for our listeners? Yes, I would be happy to do that. Um, we we had we've talked a little bit about this, and it's it's a it's a more common phrase. I, I understand people understand that, especially in North America, but throughout the world. What we are doing, and this is part of reindigenizing our communities uh, throughout what we call Turtle Island or North America is that we're using the terms that of, about who we are. So I am Oglala, and that is a, a society or tribe underneath the overall Lakota Oyate or the people of the Lakota. Uh, so we mm-hmm. use that ter- those terms. I am Oglala Lakota. I am not Native American. Because, and this is, that's a whole different conversation that I won't go into, but it is part of the history of our people and those that came over through settling, uh, settler colonization and, and all that. So as we go along, we're educating uh, others of our relatives that aren't part of our land-based cultures here and giving them the terms that we're, we're using and not through colonization or settler colonizer history. Sure. Yeah, that was really good. Um, it's so good to get that message out too. And, and the show is a lot about educating children. So it's good to get that education out too people that are homeschooling or just talking with their children and helping them to understand these things. And one thing to add to that, it's, it's not offensive when people use terms. I mean, we will let people know what is offensive, what isn't, mm-hmm. but as we go along, it's just, like I said, we're re-indigenizing. So we're bringing back terms of what we used and the language we use for ourselves. And right. just to let people know it's not where we're making fun of them or telling them they're wrong and things. It's just been part of history that we're, we're now able to change through laws and different things. So. Yeah. Well, and that's how people learn. It's all a process. And people learn when they're feeling respected. So I love how you are approaching that. Like, because a lot of people, they're not, they don't have uh, bad intent. They just, they just don't know any better. They're not understanding it. So once they understand, then they can change their words to match, you know, more respectful and more understanding of what is real. And um, 
Yeah, so we, I know we've discussed this in the past, probably. Um, I, I didn't bring this up with you in our conversation before, but I do feel very comfortable with you as a mentor and a friend and a guide and um, just have great respect for you. So I know the term permaculture is really goofy. Like it's not, it's, I mean, they, the term permaculture came from what I understand two guys that were basically watching the indigenous people in Australia. And so now that term has just taken off, but it's not really very, um, it's not really correct. Like that's not, it's just a made up word of something that already was in existence. What we're, as as the land-based cultures here, trying to get people educated and understanding the ecosystems that existed here long before any of us. And also when we, we came to this land, we started taking care of it in that natural way. So permaculture, it, it, it's based on, again, the land-based cultures in New Zealand where um, it was taken and introduced and has been introduced I believe all over the world. The unfortunate parts of permaculture ideas is um, that you know you can plant things throughout the, the landscape. They're not necessarily indigenous to that land. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest problem with it. Mm. Um, in any any, it doesn't have to be permaculture. It could be you know, regenerative agriculture. Anything that has to do with putting and um, taking care of the, the soil and the land base, not having the indigenous plants and, and animals around it that have existed in that landscape for you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Okay, sure. So you would advocate more um, creating gardens and natural spaces that are um, indigenous to that region. Yes, Correct. because really, I, it goes back, and this is this is part of the education that not only I but others are teaching throughout uh, Turtle Island. And that is, we need to understand that these ecosystems. So when you when you bring up the the Native American garden, well, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily have these gardens that are. I think when that term comes up, garden, people have it in their vision, in their mindset that it it encompasses squash corn you know all of those things mm -hmm. the thing about our garden per se wasn't about those those plants or those food sources mm -hmm. in particular our food source and i could say almost a hundred percent of our food sources before colonization um came from those eco ecosystems the bogs the 
wetlands, the prairies, the woodlands, all of that was mm -hmm. because they had the rivers, the, the ponds where we got fish and um, crayfish and things like that. And then the mammals and then the plants, the berries, the nuts all throughout and the, the mushrooms and, and everything else. That mm -hmm. was our diet. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't about this, the, the squash and the corn and things like that. We traded for them. We we did those things, but that wasn't our main food source. Right. It was more like what the term is now. Sometimes you hear foraging, more like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And and we didn't exist in one just one area, right. and that wasn't because of anything except caretaking of the land. We didn't stay in one place use all those resources and then move along we we kept moving because of the seasons and also you know we didn't want to take more than we actually needed and you know, desiccate the land that we were on right and that way the land got a chance to recover yes mm -hmm. because the other part of that is our our world or I'll, I'll say this and add to it our universal uh, vision our, our our value of how we look at things and so we're not the only um, living beings on this planet right. there are, are millions of others including the insects and reptiles the animals you know the birds and fish and stuff, such and the fungi so we have to take into account what they need before yeah. us because the plants and water and, and animals are non-human relatives that exist. They create those foods for us mm -hmm. or did, you know, again, before colonization because we don't have those systems that we used to. So, you know, we still have to do that. but in different ways now right yeah yeah and if we don't take care of them then we're not ultimately taking care of ourselves because we're destroying ourselves along with them if we're destroying them then we no longer have food either yep. looking at it as a selfish way of in just in terms of survival but there's, of course, a much deeper meaning in actually caring and loving those creatures and the earth as well. So, uh, make which for all of that, Francis oh, Chante Sutta, getting your name backwards. Um, <laughs> so, I have another question going on into a kind of a different topic. How do your land-based people look at humans from different cultures? No different than we look at each other in our communities. We're all relatives. Mm -hmm. we, we are all from land-based cultures. <laughs> it really doesn't, and, and this is the difference is, you know, a lot of people that I meet that aren't don't have a land-based culture in, on Turtle Island or North America, 
but they usually say, reference themselves as German or Irish or Russian or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, Kenyan or you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. The thing about that is those are nations that were created through colonization mm-hmm. and that, you know, they've either don't remember and it no longer exists, their land-based culture, or it's in, in the process of assimilation, just like you see what we're going through here and trying, we're at least, at least from our, our part, we're pushing that away as mm-hmm. best as we can and coming back to who we are. So you're my relative, you, you know, those are relatives that have been displaced and you're all here now, mm-hmm. um, been displaced for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're my relative. There's, there's nothing mm-hmm. bigger or greater. Or there's nothing less than mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Just as we, and I'll, I'll make this comment too, just as we see our trees, the plants, the land, the air, the water, uh, non-human relatives, they're all relatives equally. There's, mm-hmm. there's no one better than the other. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's a very healing and refreshing perspective that, I mean, wasn't my experience growing up. I had a lot of that intuitively. And I think a lot of people feel that in their hearts. They feel like there's something that they're forgetting or that's something that they're missing. And it's um, when we connect in our hearts, then we can remember those things. And there, it's, it's and I in can there. Yeah, and I can add to that a little bit. When you talk about that, when you talk about it's in you, it is, it is you. It's how I've come to learn it through my elders and my culture and all the those that have come before me is that culture is spirit. Our spirit is that culture. There's there's no real separation. So what you are all feeling is the loss of your land-based culture, the practices of that land-based mm. culture. And you mm. you can bring that back. It's just trying to, mm. you know, you're, some may, may never be able to know that because there's no more, no more proof, so, so to speak, of their land-based culture. There's, it doesn't exist right. yet. A lot of people that 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 has happened to are pulled to those cultures, those land-based cultures that still exist, and that's our spirits talking to one another. No. And when you want to get on that with when we say "matakwe oyasi," all of my relations, all of my relatives, mm-hmm. that's the existence for us anyway. Mm-hmm. That. That's how we treat each other. All living things have that spirit, and we 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 have that sense of each other. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so beautiful. Very so healing. I love that. Um, yeah. 
um, let's see. I would love to just stay on this topic forever because it does feel so healing to me. But um, I would like to move on now to the subject of circles. And you mentioned, yeah, okay. You mentioned there are two different types and you created a circle that I was a part of that was super empowering and brought different communities together. It was very educating and, and I remember one thing you said that once you're a part of a circle, you're always a part of that circle forever. So I thought that was so beautiful. And can you just kind of describe the different types of circles? Yes. Okay. The two that I know of, and I know there's others that are 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 created through these things, but the ones two that I know that we use in our our communities are the talking circles and the healing circles. Mm-hmm. So the difference is that, and I'll, I'll more specifically specifically talk about what my partner and I have created with the, with the Buffalo Star People Healing Circles, mm-hmm. and those are created to help people that are going through traumatic events or past events or present events. It's, it's mainly with adult survivors of those traumas. Mm-hmm. that we've created these healing circles. Mm-hmm. And the difference between them and talking circles is that we are going deep into people's emotional, um, spiritual, their whole existence and bringing and helping support them as they, they talk about their traumas, talk about um, in detail at times what, they went through and where they're at now and you know all the the things that are happening in their life those mm-hmm. circles are set up so that there's safety mm-hmm. and it's it's a deeper building of trust so that we can all i mean when i'm in them and we're talking about these things i am also part of that we're not you know like i know in circles there's facilitators and things like that in the healing circles there there's nothing like that we're you know i have my part in guiding but so does everybody else in that circle i may come with more experience and stories and that are are beneficial my partner has you know education in this and things like that so they're closed circles that when we start those circles those healing circles nobody can come in and out of them there's mm-hmm. not new people coming in two three weeks or whatever into them it's who we start with it's who we end with in okay. those particular circles mm-hmm. the talking circles that uh, create just whenever you come together with people those are supportive as well mm-hmm. but they don't give that deep you know discussion about and bringing up traumas because when you do that and I've seen it happen and people, you know, you know, have talking circles or whomever is doing it for a day or half a day or a weekend. If you start bringing up trauma and things like that, 
you're risking the chance of leaving people, so to speak, high and dry without yeah. resources, without support, without flowing through those conversations so that the the people that are in that circle are okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in one circle where people people were in it and it was a one-time thing and traumas were brought up so there was no support or anything like that and Mm -hmm. we felt horrible because it was part of this funding and it wasn't funding didn't come through and all of those things so we made sure that when we're holding healing circles that we can be there for an extended period of time and get people through where they need, need to get through if we need to come back for another session of healing circles, we do that. But it's making sure that when we have healing circles, I want to make that very clear with people mm-hmm. that if you're intending to have healing circles, you need to have the resources, you need to have people in the circles that can help people mm-hmm. and not hurt people. Yeah. Um, that there's education behind this, there's experience and all of those things. The talking yeah. circles are different in that uh, you can talk about anything. They're not, uh, you know, they're not built or formed to, to go into those deep dives. Somebody may bring it up or, or you know, something that they're hurting or things like that. If I'm in at one of the talking circles, um, I will let them know that we can talk later about it, but for the time being, not to go deep into detail and things like that, mm-hmm. because then that puts others in a, in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Not that a lot of, you know, you've been in the circles that we've had, you know, and, and quite a few of them go into things that are hard, conversations that are hard. But the difference between them is that when you start bringing up trauma and getting into stories about the trauma and things like that, that's an experience that needs to be part of that healing circle and not the talking circle. Mm -hmm. So just right right here is an example of a circle, you know, that for me, all conversations are circular in 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 their performance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. How they're set up by us is circular because there's a way to do that as well as in having sort of like it's part of the governance system. It's also part of how we see each other. And so in circles, you have the male eldest male and female sit side by side. And those that half circle on from each of them deals with elder men and then elder women, and then circles if they're bigger circles start forming behind them with the younger on down, so that when the conversation begins in the talking circles, that the eldest female will begin. Um, there's usually prayer before in all all circles. There's mm-hmm. always prayer. Or giving thanks to relatives that have become, come before us and, and, and just our existence here. 
So the female would start, eldest female, and then after she's done, the eldest male, and then it'll just alternate on down to the youngest person there in, in the circles. And usually what happens is some people will pass, you know, their, their talk for, for that time because a lot of the questions they had or a lot of statements they had were talked about before it got to them. So a lot of times the young ones didn't have questions or concerns or anything just to, to, to you know, they appreciated it. And that would be about it because this is the piece for us in in the really honoring of, of all of our people is that age does matter because usually it means that when you attain or become, I should say, an elder in our community, that means you've garnered the respect of our people because you've done things, practiced our, our culture, and gained knowledge to help our people along the way, and that you have that wisdom. Just like we say, you know, my partner says that our our elders are librarians. They're librarians mm-hmm. of knowledge. Yeah. That they give every time they talk. Yeah. And that's why it's an incredible honor to sit with an elder mm-hmm. and hear those stories. So when you're sitting in a community of our elders, mm-hmm. I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of years, or I should say tens of thousands that we know, but hundreds of thousands of years of our existence comes through yeah. that in these stories mm-hmm. that are part of yeah. our culture, that are part of our history. So that's, I mean, we do that also in the healing circles is talk about those stories as well. And so you know, it's just the difference between the two is is the the safety and protection of traumas. And not that we don't do it in the, the talking circles, it's just that it doesn't delve into those deep emotional pains. Yeah. I love what you're saying about one uh, respecting the elders and that's something that uh, we can all learn um in other cultures that are not land based that's something that's really sad that um we are not showing respect to our elders and and all the wisdom that they have and all they have to teach us and is younger than them so i I hope that I can incorporate that into the things that I'm planning to do going forward and um, working with moms with special needs kids and I have visions of villages and people respecting each other in the land so that's much more to come in the future on that but um, just rambling well one of the, one of the things I can add to that as you're mm-hmm. talking about that in particular, is that when we're talking about, again, it doesn't matter talking circles or healing circles, 
that when things come up, you address them in vivo as they are, are being said and, and bring about, you know, just conversations, experience. It's not that you point out, you know, here's what you need to do, or this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. It's, this has been my experience and how I did it. Mm-hmm. And give out resources and, and even what you're talking about. The mm-hmm. thing about, you know, and this is especially the healing circle, is that we direct the focus on the individual Mm -hmm. that yes, all of these things happened in your life Mm -hmm. and they were so unfortunate, so horrific Mm -hmm. that these things are still happening and and have happened. But when we focus on the person and, and letting them know that it wasn't your fault, you didn't create that. It wasn't because you weren't good enough or things like that. When we talk about building communities, just like what you brought up, mm-hmm. it's upon the individual to heal. Mm-hmm. That resources need to be given. Education needs to be given to all of us so that we start understanding why do I have depression? Why do I have pain? Why is are those things happening? Also, the stresses of, you know, the families you're working with, mm-hmm. you know, the care of their their relatives, their their daughters or sons or their mothers or fathers or whomever, mm-hmm. is that you know there's not a lot a lot of time they take for themselves mm-hmm. to take care of themselves, right? And so that's needed to be taught but also the resources given so right. that they can do that. Exactly. Because when you, when we talk about being kind to one another, you know, taking care of each other, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't step into those things a lot of times. Or yeah. if you do, you can't do them as fully as you would like to. Right. Cause you're exhausted. Exactly. Yeah. So true. And that's something I've had to take care of for myself because, you know, from my childhood experiences and things, I've I've been hurt enough to have a mental illness now that I I need to take care of, mm-hmm. not just for the people around me, but for myself. Mm-hmm. And and so in turn, that helps take care of people around me so they're not getting the shrapnel, so to speak, from what happens through these processes that I have to deal with, Mm -hmm. the emotional, the physical, and spiritual aspects of all of this that I go through. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And it all goes back to resources, having the resources of being able to take care of yourself, being able to do that first. And one of the basic resources that we all have is the ability to listen Mm. to somebody. Yes. And, you know, what, what, how we say them is we all have medicine that we carry. Mm. There's also medicine all around us that Mm -hmm. sometimes we just, we think, oh, it's not going to help her. Oh, Mm. it's, you know, what, what, what do I have to offer? Right. 
just listening and being kind to yeah. somebody that's sitting by the roadside or Absolutely. you know sitting on the sidewalk or is in a wheelchair or you know is 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 an elder walking down the street or somebody that's sobbing you yeah. know that you don't know a young one right. just sitting there and asking them are you okay or yeah. introducing yourself and starting conversation it starts giving those that you're talking to that feeling of that I'm visible. Right, exactly. That I am I account for something in this world. Right. I matter. I matter. Exactly. Yes, I yeah, I I agree with you one hundred percent on that. Absolutely. Um I know that uh it's been my experience and with many people I've talked with as just that feeling of being invisible. And when someone sees you, if they just smile, it can be a stranger. They smile at you or they just look at you like they care. It, it can make a big difference in somebody's perspective and giving them hope, like hope to have a better day and that they do matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So. Maybe we could go back to uh, gardening a little bit. I know that's not really, um, I don't really know a better way to say that, but in just terms of families, like starting a project in their backyard, are there plants that you would suggest, like, um, that are native, or I don't know if that's the right word either, indigenous to the land that would also be fun for children. Like I'm thinking of wild strawberries or Mm -hmm. blueberries that would be um, natural for this landscape in Minnesota where we're at. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you can can talk about gardens because here's the, I was just talking more generally about you know what we what we used to do, what we used to have, yeah, uh, especially with the ecosystems and things that existed then. We've also mm-hmm. incorporated, you know, I I am caretaking uh, over two eight, two and a half acres of of land that we have right now, my partner and I. So we've we've incorporated those gardens. Okay. And when I say garden, it's more specifically about um, vegetables and really uh, plants that we harvest that we cannot grow here in this climate mm-hmm. as a perennial. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I exist in both of that, and I'm fine with that as mm-hmm. long as we don't introduce perennials that aren't from here. Okay. Um, that can um, exist here, and I'll speak more of specifics. Um, right now, on our land base, and this is before we were here, people had planted Siberian elm and you know different shrubs that don't exist here, or you know mm-hmm. can't aren't from here, aren't indigenous here but they can acclimate and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when we talk Mm -hmm. about 
specifically about perennials, I would go as much to at least 90 to 95 or more percent of the perennials that you have in on your land be indigenous to that land base. And there are incredible nut trees and fruits, shrubs, trees that exist. There's grapevines that can be planted. So when you're talking about um, getting, especially like children involved, there's uh, plum trees that will create plum thickets and things like that. There are raspberry and, and blackberry plants the same. And then you go to more about the mycelium and those fruits that mm -hmm. can be harvested there. There's a multitude of indigenous mushrooms that are edible. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of really educating yourself about what exists mm -hmm. and then introducing those plants. And then, you know, the 5% or whatever it is, you know, plant apple trees or, mm -hmm. you know, cherry trees, things that are edible that you can actually eat. Right. I don't really like putting in ornamentals that, and especially if they're not indigenous, mm -hmm. because then you're, you're eating something that, or you're, you're planting something that, you know, you're not going to, to eat from. And that's, that's the, for me anyway, that's what the land around us should give, not just us, but non-human relatives as well, that source of food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other is creating raised bed gardens or, you know, really think about, you know, how you want to design a garden that then you plant vegetables or other fruits that, you know, aren't, in, you know, perennials here, like squashes and uh, really cool. And for, for everyone, especially children, are snow peas. Oh, okay, sure. A lot of the pea family, you know, mm -hmm. so you, what's really cool about this is, is let your imagination flow. Mm -hmm. My background also is, I studied at South Dakota State University and got mm -hmm. my landscape de design degree, my BS. Oh, okay. uh -huh. And oh. so for, you know, 30 some plus years of my life, mm -hmm. I've been able to create these landscapes. Mm -hmm. that, you know, you just talk to the family, been able to sit with families and communities and organizations and individuals just to talk about what do you want? Mm -hmm. And let them let them all talk about this. Get the families together, and mm -hmm. let them dream about what you know they can. They they look, you know, and, and can come up with a vision of what they see. Like they can build these structures and sit in them, and you know, children can crawl into them and mm -hmm. use them as you know little hideaways and stuff like yeah. using willows yeah. and things like yeah. that. And then planting peas on them so that the peas can grow up or beans or yeah. you know, whatever else. So it's using that imagination sure. of all the, the whole family or even mm -hmm. a community to say, look, this is what we have mm -hmm. for our land base. What can we create mm -hmm. in the pathways and, you know, introducing those, those 
mycelium and the fungi and the, the lichen and all of those relatives so that they can grow amongst them and grasses that you know are edible and things because people talk a lot about especially in this area about wild rice which mm -hmm. is great it's a great protein source it mm -hmm. has other elements in it uh, but also gets people um, aware and you know start coming out and taking care of them there's mm -hmm. also grasses a number of species that have just as much as or more of protein content and other minerals in them that you can incorporate throughout a landscape too sure. and even amongst uh, 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 vegetables and stuff nice Wow, that's so cool. Uh, it's it's one of my passions. So. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Microbes and landscaping and things like that. But yeah. I do it according to the land and introduce whatever I can as indigenous. Yeah. Yeah, you just brought up microbes. You Would you like to touch on that a little bit? Of course. <laughs> uh, whatever, what, what do you want to know? What's in your thoughts? Um, what are the benefits? How can we support microbes? That kind of thing. So what I know right now about microbes mm -hmm. up to this point right now mm -hmm. is all of the research that's been done, all of the of what we know in our culture. Mm -hmm. And when I when I say that our land based culture is mine is Lakota and that's the only one I can speak from because mm -hmm. that's the only one I know. Mm -hmm. It's what I know and it's who I am. Yeah. So that's tens of thousands of years experience here mm -hmm. through that land-based culture as well. So what I know is that microbes are in every living thing mm -hmm. and that we communicate with each other on mm -hmm. that level. And, and I, I compare it to that spiritual language mm -hmm. amongst all of our relatives. So microbes, as, as humans know or begin to ed educate themselves, micro my microbes are all throughout our body, mm -hmm. and especially in our gut. Mm -hmm. So whatever foods we eat, we're supplying. And we should look at it this way instead of looking at it as, well, that's what I want. Right. As a human, I want to eat an apple. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at it like that, it's how are you going to feed your microbes in your gut or in your body so that they can take as much of that food into our system and and give us, you know, the organs in our, our bodies, vessels, the blood, nerves, all of that, the brain, that food that's essential to keep us healthy, keep us thriving. And so microbes are in our body as well as the plants and animals and, and especially the soil. Yeah. So when we take care of, let's say, backing it up a little bit, when we talk about gardens, the mm -hmm. first thing that people should do and mm -hmm. don't necessarily do um, is take care of the soil. That yeah. means introducing all the medicines to that soil. And mm -hmm. microbes are at the top of that list. Yeah. You need them to have the food, though, <coughs> keep thriving in that soil base, in that area, 
So if you're just putting in microbes and there's no food or moisture, they're not going to thrive. In fact, they, they might not be able to exist. So you want to study about that, really inform yourself about how to create a healthy soil. You want to have a humus layer, and there's differences in these words I'm bringing up. Mm-hmm. And the humus layer, layer and organic matter in that soil, along with the minerals. Mm-hmm. Because what the what's really incredible about microbes is that they are they will connect to a host, most in particular in the soil, plants, the plant roots. Mm-hmm. So plants can only take up, and I forget the microns, the millimicrons of minerals that they can take up. Any bigger than that, the root system can't take it up. So mm-hmm. what the, the microbes do are is to connect to the root systems of plants so that they can help break down the minerals and food sources around them and bring in those to the plant roots that they have broken down and then in have injected themselves or wrapped themselves around the plant roots, they bring that food source because what the plant will give them is sugar, basically, Mm. um, as a food source. And they share the water and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. there's a synergenic relationship between the two. And Mm -hmm. actually between all of the, the flora and fauna in the soil that the microbes interact with all of them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the, the plants you see above ground, it's everything below ground as well. So yeah. we, we all need to, as humans, learn, relearn about this as we re-indigenize mm-hmm. our land-based cultures and practice those values. One of them is to look at all of your land base and understand what medicines we need to bring back because it's it's really cool to to know your language yeah. your land based cultural na- language because in that language is it, it, it talks about and has words to describe and phrases of that interaction so mm-hmm. one of them is um uh mushroom tree mushrooms mm-hmm. and uh, chun and is wood and so it's chun, and I don't remember it fully right off the top of my head, but it's chanaga or some chanag or something like that, which mm-hmm. it, when we translate it, it literally means the ear of the tree. Oh, wow. So we've known that these mushrooms exist as their own but as part of that tree to help to to have us listen to it and give that tree what it needs at the same time that mushroom or that fungi in particular mycelium will get what it needs so there's that communication and we have words and phrases created from that sure that's amazing I love that uh, ear, the ear. <laughs> and what's cool is, as you know, I I follow it when you know other you know people on this planet are exploring out in the universe and things. 
when they find life forms on even asteroids or meteorites or you know all these the debris in space not just planets or the moons is mm-hmm. when they find life guess what life they find microbes exactly <laughs> and microbes are fungi like uh fungi viruses and bacteria wow that's amazing without them there's no life so we also have be have to be aware when we're talking about this when i bring up you know we we've lost 90 percent of our environments and we're losing more and more of that in the Mm -hmm. land base also you know the what we have now in developing communities and cities and agricultural farming practices they all are destroying those microbes mm-hmm. microbes are at on our number one in the extermination list mm-hmm. what we're exterminating on this planet are microbes at wow. the highest rate of any life mm-hmm. on this planet yeah wow um so would you agree that in regenerative farming, like as opposed to big ag, there is a huge difference there. But what I see or what I'm hearing you say is that the biggest difference or what's lacking in the regenerative farming movement is that it doesn't pay attention to the indigenous plants. But other than that, it it is like it is a, a process that's trying to take care of the microbes and take care of the soil. Is that correct? Um, to an extent. To an extent. Yeah. I I know enough about it. I've talked to people that are involved in regenerative farming. And okay. The the problem is, and here's what I see. You okay. know, when we brought up permaculture before and right. uh, regenerative agriculture and other things. Mm-hmm. is that the focus is on doing something better than what is in place right now. Mm-hmm. And what's in place right now and has been for a while is farming practices that were brought with colonization onto mm-hmm. our land. Mm-hmm. What we had before were these full environments. So when we talk about these things, what we're not including is what was here before us sure or what was here before these farming practices sure and we can describe those and that's what we knew and when people say well you can't live off that land we did yeah not only that but we thrived and had a population this is you know estimates between you know 70 and 300 million when the first settlers came here yeah, so you can't That's say in North you America, can't. right? Yeah. And not only that, but we were healthy. Yeah. We were extremely healthy because mm-hmm. what was happening then is that you know, this whole cycle of life was occurring without our interference. Mm-hmm. We were there, but we did not interfere with that process. Mm-hmm. We only take an, as much as we needed. We didn't have a surplus of food so much that, you know, we had these grocery stores and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. We had dried meat. We had dried fruits. 
we had pemmican that we we call it um that was the first you know um food bars right right yeah but the other thing with this is that those foods were highly nutritious mm-hmm. because the minerals were in the soil, the microbes, all the activity, the humus layer, mm-hmm. all of that was 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 in the soil. Mm-hmm. And we weren't disturbing that. Because right. once you open that land, things start to die just because yeah. of the heat and stuff. Yep. So the the food that we had then compared to what we have now was probably and there is research on this was anywhere between five to 20 times more nutritious of food today. And they're finding more and more of that through, you know, unfortunately the, the, the Arctic frost freeze or thawing. Okay. Um, And those things. So they're finding more and more sources of that resource where, you know, the food was highly nutritious. So we weren't eating as much. We didn't need to. And also, when we drank water, mm-hmm. the minerals and the microbes were in it, mm-hmm. so that they helped when we drank another sure. nutrition source. Sure. And the sun and all of that. So mm-hmm. when we compare the two, the difference mm-hmm. between before colonization mm-hmm. and now after, yeah. there's huge differences for all of us. Right. And also, when we talk about, you know, protecting the wolves, protecting coyotes, and all of all of our relatives, our animal, bird, and fish relatives, the problem is not, you know, what so much we're doing, but it's what we're eliminating. They don't mm-hmm. have the environments they were in. So now they're thought of as pests. Now right. they're thought of as you know, they're ruining or killing the livestock and whatever else. Well, what food source do they have anymore? We've done that. Not only that, but we've introduced animals to this this area throughout Mm -hmm. Turtle Island, like cats and dogs. Cats Mm -hmm. are one of the most destructive animals on the planet. They're one of the biggest, and I, I know there's people that are going to be listening, <laughs> excuse me, and stuff that love, and you know, cats and dogs. Yeah. Shouldn't we be loving all of them the same? Yeah. I understand that they weren't brought over on their, you know, on, on fully being in compliant with that. They mm-hmm. were forced over here. Yeah. So now they're on every continent in their feral. Yeah. Not only that, boa boa constrictors, lizards, all of those pets that mm. have been released into the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Yeah. So now we have created this huge problem mm-hmm. of there's not enough resources for all of them. These other in um, invasive, and I will use that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, plants and animals because there's plants too that are mm-hmm. now invasive are destroying the natural process yeah that's true the plants and we too. need to be aware of that and correct that because mm-hmm. we're the ones that did it i don't care mm-hmm. if it was you know all people coming from across we're all part of this now 
Mm-hmm. We let's stop pointing fingers and talking about it and, and, and talking about it in circles. So we have discussions and not arguments about this. Mm-hmm. It's happened. We right. have to, we have to correct it by whatever means we are. There are indigenous populations across the world that are taking care of these populations of invasive species. And people are, oh, you can't do that. Well, we have to do something to get this cycle back, at least the natural processes, so that we don't have all this agricultural farmland where, you know, even the regenerative farming practices are a larger percent of it. We can't have that. Mm -hmm. We got to start thinking beyond that. We got to start thinking in a seven generation vision Mm -hmm. that brings about changes in, you know, five to 700 years because a generation in our practice, in our culture, in our land-based culture is 75 to 100 years. It's not 20 years. So when we say seven generations, it means six to 700 years out. Mm -hmm. That's how we create decisions based off of that that understanding so when we talk about water when we talk about the land we need to look at how do we do it so 80 percent of the land base at least is an ecosystem a prairie a woodlands Mm -hmm. you know a bog or whatever and then understand how we can do let's call it farming or gardening Mm -hmm. better so that that soil that we're planting the squash or whatever else in is highly nutritious. Mm-hmm. So much so that we may be eating a squash and a few nuts and maybe maybe a piece of small, very small meat if we're still there. Mm-hmm. And that that's all we have to eat because we don't need much more. Right. The problem is we're focusing on what we have in front of us and thinking we can improve that. Okay. And I don't care what you call it, uh, regenerative farming or whatever practices or permaculture, if you're not following what the land needs and what Mm -hmm. the land was, Mm -hmm. then we're falling short. Sure. Okay. How can people... uh... How can people figure that out? Like, how can they, where's a good place where they could find resources to to understand what would be a natural environment and natural plants for their area that they live in? Yep. Uh, you can follow some of the practices of permaculture, but again, the point I made is using all indigenous plants. If you're building gardens through or creating gardens through, that's fine. Make sure you take care of the soil. And in all cases, address yeah. the soil first. Yeah, Learn care. about it. You can go on. There's research on it. There's you know, visions on it. There's also um, YouTube videos and other videos. I'm creating some that I'll, I'm going to be getting out in, in the very near future. I'm going to have mm-hmm. workshops here. That we're also going to post. I'll bring up since we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, the, the website. Um, it's it's still under construction right now, but 
by the time I think this goes into the event, it'll be fully up and running. Okay. It is the moccasintelegraph.com okay. where there's going to be information. We It's part of the podcast that we're doing. Okay. Um, there'll be podcasts there. There'll be sort resources there, like articles, books, mm -hmm. again, different videos you can people can watch about how do you grow your own garden. Again, there's gonna we're gonna hold workshops here and in Rosebud community, Rosebud Reservation. Mm -hmm. And there'll be postings of those that are holding workshops on how to build earthen homes out nice. of you know, cob and straw bale and stuff like that. And we're actually going to be doing it um, in Rosebud hopefully this year and into next year. And how do, uh, through what we talked about before, how do you create an environment around you using perennial trees and shrubs and the microbes and all of those different things, the, the grasses and things. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be showing it here. On our land base here, um, and then again, like I said, in Rosebud, so we'll have volunteer opportunities. Nice. Excuse me, and people can contact me awesome. through the website, and I'll also give that right now. And you can, yeah, you can contact me at info at moccasintelegraph.com, I believe it is. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to mislead yeah. people it might be the moccasintelegraph.com but it's info at the moccasintelegraph.com okay or well, um okay. i don't mind if they want to contact me um i'll just leave it at that i won't give my personal email for that yeah but they can also contact you and you yeah. can lead them to me if they have questions sure and i'll post um when we get this all wrapped up, I'll post your information. I'll make sure it's accurate. So, okay. Yeah, so they can still find a way to get to it. So, there, um, yeah, there are many resources, and it's actually learning about soil. And there's basics, there's more in depth, there's, you know, <laughs> I will say this graduate level or land based cultural yeah. level. Um, resources out there and I will include myself in part of that so you know if you really want to learn more and more about it mm -hmm. uh, it's available yeah well definitely you are a walking encyclopedia on all of that so I'm glad that you're you're getting that information out and you're willing to educate everyone so Oh, I appreciate really generous and yeah so um it's the moccasintelegraph.com or maybe there might be another word in there but I'll for the listeners I'll make sure that's accurate on our on our final landing page so you can find that and uh, is there any other resource you'd like to direct people to or anything else you'd like to add I think, you know, the, the one thing is learning about re-indigenizing. So when, mm -hmm. I, when I say that, again, it's the term about being indigenous. Mm -hmm. 
where we all come from, or the majority of humans come from a, a land-based culture. Mm -hmm. So if you cannot find your land-based culture and, and really look for it, try to, try to find it. Mm -hmm. But if you can't, learn the values and the practices that are shared by land-based cultures around the world. And especially who you're living near and most likely probably on their land. And that's the way to introduce yourself, what it means by living through a land-based culture. And I want to say this, because this is an important part of this, is that people have this vision of, you know, I'm, I'm again talking about Lakota land-based culture. We lived in teepees and we were nomads. And so that is true. We will have to realize that when we talk about our culture, we did not have any human-formed waste except what came out of our bodies. We didn't create plastics or things we see today that are buried in landfills or burned, whatever else. We're very proud of that. And that's what, when we talk about re-indigenizing, we want to get back to that we only took what we needed mm -hmm. as food, as shelter. And when we talk about these natural homes, building natural homes off of the material that we can acquire from where we're standing, mm -hmm. that's the same as food. So until we get there, start learning what that means, what, what it means to be practicing a land-based culture of values. So that means that I'm kind to myself and kind to others that I see. I don't care their, about their politics, their religions, things like that. What in turn I want them to understand and, and give back to me is respect and honor that I give to them by respecting what they think about and they do the same for me. When we come together, we need to talk about these things, mm -hmm. about what, how we go forward as humans. Are we going to continue to practice what we see in front of us that's created by something that doesn't flow naturally, isn't about equity and equality, and doesn't look at each other with kindness, and doesn't look at this land with kindness and respect? in all of our non-human relatives. Mm -hmm. So that's one, one thing I want to leave people with is immediately you can start doing that. Yeah. If you're hurting, if you have disabilities, if you have mental disabilities, physical, spiritual, look for resources to take care of those. Mm -hmm. Reach out to those around you that have that expertise, have that education and learn from that mm -hmm. at least enough so that you can start peeling away the le levels of pain and and sadness and all of those things um, and in turn practice those yeah. practice those things that keep you healthy keep you thriving keep you strong and in turn you can start re re-indigenizing the land healing the land
bringing those plants that were part of that landscape, mm -hmm. bring in the grasses, treat the water, treat the soil with that respect and, and honor. It's really coming forth with um, unconditional regard for all of our relatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, you have a lot, of, a lot to be proud of in your in your culture, Chante. And I, I'm just so feel just so um, warmed in my heart to talk to you, and it's just been so encouraging and uplifting. And I just um, want to thank you so much for being here today. We're coming to a close here with our time, and I, I miss you dearly. I miss the circle. And say hi to anyone out, out there who was in the circle that might be listening. And um, just want to encourage all the listeners to please listen to these wise words and just so much wisdom and how we can begin to heal the earth and ourselves and each other. I appreciate you, my relative. And I appreciate you, my relative brother. Miigwech.